Hello and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe DeVerge. And I'm Chris Atfield. Uh, back after being sick with COVID. We have been <laughs> gone for a while, but uh, we're here again. It's It's been... Um, it's been a minute. It's, it's been a minute. I think it's just been like two weeks. Um, it feels like it's been longer to me. It feels like it's been longer, maybe since three. Uh, but yeah, Chris, you know, we were hanging out. Um we were hanging out on a Saturday. Uh, Louisville um, was losing to Western Kentucky. Uh, the Twitter, the Twitter, the TL wanted us to do a spaces. We were in person. Yeah. We yeah. denied them that because we were going to a Jack Harlow concert um, at which you almost certainly contracted the novel coronavirus 2019 <laughs> yeah 100%. And I, somehow, I somehow did not and all the um, people we were with didn't get covid i was the only one who was uh, um, had a weak immune system and got it but it's fine but you drink a lot of alcohol had a good time i'm doing good good uh you know the only thing i'm thinking about right now because we just watched kentucky and lsu and that was Yes. I mean, I would love to dog Kentucky for that performance. And it's funny they lost whatever, but you know, no, they had, they had players injured. They have so plenty whatever. of, I'm not, I, I'm, you can't be mad. It's, yeah. it's funny, but you can't be mad. <laughs> but, but Jay Billis is not that guy anymore. No. He's not. He's not. He he's finds, not. he finds like one play call, the name of a play call. Tonight it was floppy set, which, is a play. It's actually a play that like every college basketball team runs, and he just repeats the same thing over. To, he probably said this like six or seven times. It's, it's one thing he finds in it. It's hilarious. He says horns with Louisville <laughs> nearly every game. He says you know horns. within the first five minutes what the what the buzzword is going to be. It's great. And um, tonight it was floppy with with Kellen Grady. Every time you I, touch the ball. There was probably set. That's a great drinking game, honestly. I'm not. That's an incredible drinking. I'm not trying to be this guy, but I'm going to be this guy for a minute. We we as a college basketball public demanded that Jay Billis become the number one guy. We wanted this. We wanted we wanted him to get the most important games. We wanted Dick Vitale to slowly, um, you know, take it take a step back and. Um, we may have we may have enabled a monster. We may, we may have brought in someone <laughs> who is annoying in a completely different way and uh, and unbearable in a different way. I, I I tend to find that Billis, I guess what he's been he's been the number one guy for like probably like seven years now. I feel like like the last three years his like I'm very knowledgeable about basketball shtick has become I'm much more knowledgeable about basketball than you will ever be shtick. Well, and like the, the thing that was the bothers. most impressive to me about John Madden is that he could talk R. about, R. <laughs> yeah, he could talk about the NFL and he could talk about something as really complex as football, but not come off as like pompous when speaking about it. And a lot of people that get very technical about football are really knowledgeable, mm-hmm. but it's almost impossible to not come off that way. And yeah. he did a really good job of that. Jay Billis is the exact opposite. Like he really wants you to know that he knows more about basketball than you. Yeah. And we talked about this earlier this week. It's kind of frustrating because there's a lot of talent that ESPN has. And instead of kind of trying to promote that talent and getting that talent in front of camera more, they seem to be stuck on Kurt Herbstreit and in college football and Jay Billis and college basketball. There's no evolution beyond that. No, it's, it's crazy. It's, um, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is like incredibly inside baseball, but it does definitely seem like ESPN cares way less about like promoting and, uh, growing sort of, you know, second, third tier, um, commentators, which honestly, most other, I feel like broadcast outlets do, or maybe it's just, there's so much sports everywhere that it's easier for somebody to go be a number one guy at a regional network, as opposed to being the third guy at ESPN. Maybe, um, you know, maybe that's the situation. I don't, I don't know quite enough about pit play by play, but I I completely agree with you. I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like Jay Billis is, is, is the older I get, the more mid he is to me. Like he's just, (laughs) it's just like, it's definitely new to me. It hasn't bothered me for very long. It's, it's, it's probably been like two. It's probably been like two or three. This is definitely. I I definitely am a bigger Vital guy than like 
anyone should be at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I just think he just is college basketball to me. He's like, what just like embodies it. And like, as annoying as it is, as annoying as the Duke baby shtick is, that's just like, just call you know, just Duke baby on a, on a Monday night on big Monday. It's just like, that's what, that's what college basketball has always been to me outside of Louisville. And, um, I don't know. I, 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 he has a pure passion that, and it kind of contributes to what, what we see when we watch college basketball. Now, the things that people complain about, about, you know, it not being very fun to watch and offenses are bad, whatever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It kind of, I feel like Billis kind of, leans into that almost in a way where you get someone with like the unabashed joy. Like, so like I've always enjoyed the people who cover college football doesn't has no problem with this. Like they lean into the absurdity. The people who call college football are always like, they know it's ridiculous. Um, They're not treating it like it's a, 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 a practice NFL. When I feel like Billis and how leaned into the NBA draft stuff he is, is always worried about that. And that's just not what, 95% 95% of college basketball is to me. So sure. Yeah. I, I went too long on that. Sorry. <laughs> Just saw the voting district map. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk funny. a little, we're going to, we're going to talk some other, a, a lot of stuff today. Um, Nelson County split in two voting districts. Wow. That's amazing. Um, yeah. But I'm glad we had that conversation. Uh, it's been on my mind and I'm glad we're on the same page to be honest with you. So. No. Yeah. It's, I, I, I feel like more and more people are, are starting to say it. Like it used to be the number one thing is like, Oh, Jay Billis, like three to f- five years ago. And now I feel like I'm seeing it more and more people, people right. are talking about it more and more, but yeah, Chris, you know, we, we've got a lot of, of a lot of Louisville basketball to talk about Louisville basketball, quite an up and down run. As I said, <laughs> we were talking about Western Kentucky and, and how, how low that took us in a COVID pause and got a ton of other things after that. We had a bowl game. Um, they kind of came and went to be honest. We, you know, we were joking. It's like, what, what more do we say? But we want to do sort of a reset on football. Uh, we wanted to, to, you know, d- dip a little in some of the other things. We were going to talk a little, a little bit of politics, a little bit of fun, uh, fun with our friends up north from Indianapolis. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll have a little bit of odds and ends sort of at the end of the show. Um, but I think let's hit this intro. Coming to you from inside the Waterson Expressway. It's the only podcast that misses cahoots. This is What High School Did You Go To? With your hosts, Chris Hatfield and Gabe Diverge. And we're back, Chris. Uh, as I mentioned, it's been uh, quite a few weeks. You know, we last talked just before that Western Kentucky game. Yeah, it's been, you know, it's been like three weeks. It was it was uh, December the 18th. Um, we had just talked about uh, the Southeastern Louisiana win. Um, since that, Louisville has gone two and one, a, a pretty disappointing loss at Western Kentucky. Um I don't know how much we want to talk through that game, but it, you know, it, it is what it is. Just didn't make shots. And then two, you know, kind of gutty, gritty, um, tough wins against the um, middle of the pack ACC teams. Um, one at home against Wake Forest, 73 to 69 and a win uh, in Atlanta over Georgia tech, 67, 64, a really, really close one. So, you know, we we're, we're, we're now really dipping, dipping into this ACC schedule, Chris. Um, how do you feel about this team at, at this point in time and, and, and the course and trajectory of, of where we're headed as we get into the throes of conference play? Man, I wish I had a magical answer for, <laughs> for everyone, but I think we're all struggling to figure out, you know, on one side of the coin that it, Louisville really hasn't won games the way they have and back, especially back-to-back games the way they have in quite some time. I think the, the, the games that come to mind this season are Maryland, right. really that whole Bahama thing. I mean, Mississippi yeah. State, they kind of the won Bahama. the same way. Uh, yeah. NC State, um, definitely Georgia Tech. And what was the game before Georgia Tech? Wake, Wake Forest. Um, Wake Forest, all kind of like, like you said, like gritty wins. And, you know, that's something that they've lacked that identity for a while. So that's a big part of this. And finding ways to win game is a key, key thing to know, to getting to where you want to go. But at the same time, you're kind of looking around and truly wondering what the talent level of this team is at times. Um, For me, you know, you don't have... Jalen Withers doing anything 
Not like, like, he's actually, you know, effectively pretty much when he's on the court, he's hurting the team more or less for, for the most part. Um, you had a few glimpses, baby steps against Wake Forest, but it was all kind of neglected against Georgia Tech. He was awful against Georgia Tech. So probably your most talented player, or what you thought was your most talented player coming into the season is non-existent. And then Noah Locke's turned into a great shooter. He's hitting shots. He's doing good yep. things, but he's not a guy who's going to beat you off the dribble. Right. Um, L. Ellis is doing something. Um, he's he's definitely the best best person on the court to to kind of win off the dribble and and get that quick step. But he's still figuring things out very right. clearly. And then Jared West and Malik Williams are you know hands down the linchpin of the team and the most talented players on the team right now. So. I'm happy, but I just don't know yet. I really don't. And, you know, I think that it's okay to feel that way because this team with their head coach is they're not following the same trajectory that we're used to. Right. A lot of teams right now are are making big moves and that's just going to be a little delayed for this team. That's the reality. So we're not going to know. We'll know by the end of this month. You'd like to know right now. And I think, uh, you know, some teams probably have a good idea of who they are right now, but Louisville, I don't think you safely can. No, it's, 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 it's odd. I, I, I've been, have been encouraged by these last two wins. You know, I, I think they've responded, you know, obviously they didn't blow out these teams by 20, 30 points, but I appreciate the response. They were just wins you had to get. They're wins I had to get. They, they did. They, you know, we've talked a lot. How many times have we mentioned the word toughness about Chris Mag teams and the lack of tough, toughness. And I, I think they've shown that in the past two games. I, I think they show that in a way that, that has been needed and, and not, I haven't seen from Louisville teams under Chris Mack sometimes in the times where it's mattered, mattered the most Louisville is, is in a stretch right now where they just need these wins. They've got the, the, the next few games are, are honestly pretty critical. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, they play tomorrow night, uh, Wednesday night. They're the worst team in the ACC, um, ob- objectively, um, you know, uh, and so they absolutely have to win that at home. Um, a tougher game against Florida State that I just, we can't make any, I, they just lost what by 30 points to Wake Forest or 20 points to Wake Forest tonight. So I don't, I don't know what they're going to be about. Um, then you get NC State again, Pittsburgh again, Boston College, and then sort of that end of the schedule starts getting, that end of January starts getting real tough. Um, I, 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 I've been encouraged. I think, you know, Louisville can go a decent, decent way with this Noah Locke, um, Jared West, Matt Cross, sort of, if they can play well, if they're hitting shots. Um, I've also been super encouraged. You know, you tweeted earlier today about getting to the free throw line, how much Louisville has been doing that. I think that's a recipe for success. Um, I really wanted to, I was really bummed that uh, Mason Faulkner wasn't able to, um, to play. I guess he was in COVID protocols. It sounds like he's asymptomatic. He may play Wednesday, uh, may play tomorrow night. I'm not, I don't think we have the final answer. I thought he really showed out. That was his best game of the season against Wake Forest. I kind of wanted to see him do that. Um, he's he's drawing fouls at the best rate of anyone on the team at 4.3 for fouls drawn per, uh, you know, per 40 minutes. Um, I, I thought he was really kind of starting to assert himself as a good, um, uh, as yeah, a good I mean, sixth I, or seventh guy um, on this. I think team. there's something there with, with that lineup with him. Lock and yes. you know whoever you want to put there, West or Cross. You can do a lot of different things, but the goal right now for them, at least on the offensive end, is just finding guys that can get get past their man yes. in front of them because they don't yes. really have much of that. I mean, West has to be on the floor, and he tries, and yeah. he did in stretches. He did enough. You know, he had a little moment where he scored six straight points, and right. it, it felt like he was really affecting the game on the offensive end. First time he's done that. Yes. And he did yes. enough, but he's not going to he's consistently, not do it, consistently do it. So you need, you need guys like that, but you got to have those guys on the floor that, and they're not hurting you defensively when they're right. there. So that's, that's you know, figuring that out is it's just, it, it, it's weird, man. It's, it's hard to be like, 
as Louisville fans driven by a team whose identity is defense, but the identity of them on defense is not turning people over. That's not what it is. It's lockdown defense for 30 seconds in the half court. And it's hard for fans to get excited about that because they're used to, you know, pressure and, and turn over the ball. And that's not what they are, but they are a really, really good defensive team. And that's carried them, you know, in, in, in this stretch. Yeah. And, and they're great at forcing you to make difficult shots. And I think Louisville fans love to bemoan how many random dudes go off against them. But I think that's just, they, they shut down the, 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 you know, the first and second best players on the team or really make them have a hard time. I mean, you saw that against Georgia tech, you know, DeVoe, um, he had a good game, but he was definitely heavily affected by Jared West. A guy who was much mm-hmm. shorter than him, um, you know, and, and they were able to really cause a lot of issues. <clears throat> they almost, <clears throat> Excuse me. They almost like exclusively shut down Alondis Williams um, from Wake Forest. He had a really difficult game against them. Um, <clears throat> who's been one of the best players in the ACC. But, you know, we keep coming back to the names that everyone keeps talking about. Jalen Withers. Jalen Withers offensive rating, Chris, this season is 79.9. The lowest on the team. Um, Samuel Williamson, not that much better. 83.3. I think he's had good moments um, in the past few games. Um but you like you like you said, Withers man. When he had that possession, uh, and everyone watching that game knew exactly what Withers was going to end up doing and how he was going to lose the ball, and it just kind of encapsulated this experience with Withers, Withers this season. I, I've 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 never seen anything like this man, which is a dude just. Well, it's like, kind of to the point now for for him when he's playing, especially at home. That when he gets the ball in his hands, there's just an audible gasp that's probably yeah. tangible in the arena. That's not a yeah. good. It, it's, it's not, not a, a good, good energy for him. him. It's not a good energy for him. So I mean, it's almost like you just want to. <laughs> maybe they go on the road and, <laughs> and maybe at Pitt you start him at Pitt because that's the worst team in the ACC and he's he's not he's going to be an empty in arena if you're open at any point in any time you could get him going. It's in a situation like that because you you need to play him but you can't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that sucks. Louisville's not going to do a whole lot of anything unless he's can, he, he contributes in some capacity. I mean, you know, I'm not going to lower the expectations about them making the NCAA tournament, being happy they need to make the NCAA tournament. That's what they're going to do. If they don't do it, we'll have that conversation. But beyond that, without him giving some type of scoring punch, I don't know what to tell you. They're finding ways to win these games right now. That's great. But I mean, I feel like that's necessary. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Right. Um, What's going, you know, we've talked a little bit about this, you know, how do we feel? What are the, you know, we've talked a little bit about what's going well. What are some things that you, you like feel good or things that, that could get better or that you see signs of um, getting better in, in the, you know, in the next days and, and maybe weeks in this January stretch? I mean, I think they're getting a lot out of those curls to the basket. Mm-hmm they've ran them with a few different players. Now they ran them with Malik to start the game. Um, Those floppy sets. And they, were, <laughs> and they ran them with Sam to get the, to, to start the game. And it, on this team, there's a lot of guys. Malik's really not one of them, but Sam is definitely one of those that when they come into the game, getting them involved earlier yeah. is going to kind of dictate how they're going to play throughout the game. Exactly. And that's like, just like a kind of like a go-to play that they have, they have that can get you a basket at the rim, which is nice. That's a very specific thing, but it's something, I mean, if you watch this team, I think anybody would have noticed that they've ran that at quite a bit yeah. um, for, for different players off that elbow. So that's exciting. Uh, you talked about the free throws, you know, there's not much that correlates with global basketball success more than free throw rate. I posted <laughs> a chart today. If you look at when their free throw rate's been up and they've had success and when it's been down, they haven't really had much success. Um, right now they're at the lowest free throw rate that they've had in a decade, but in conference play, they are first in the ACC in free throw rate. So it's something that's improved. Um, and, you know, shooters are starting to finally become shooters consistently. Um, yeah, definitely seeing some of that. Matt Cross, no lock. They're hitting open shots, which 
there's not really any analysis required. I mean, <laughs> this, team, this team was always going to have to. Sometimes, sometimes you just got to hit buckets, Chris. Um, no, but, yeah. but pulling, pulling up the game log, I, th- I think it is important just to know. I mean, just, I mean, you know, no lock was two of nine against the Paul, uh, you know, four of eight against NC state of two against MSU. And, you know, the last two games combined, um, you know, he's seven and he's seven of 12. Um, mm-hmm. if, if, no lock fourth, four of 13 from three against Western Kentucky. So uh, Matt Cross is, is, is sort of a similar situation where, you know, he made two of five, you know, he, he didn't take that many, but, but he's been pretty, I, I've been impressed with how effective, cross has been driving. Um, I, I, I didn't, I, I really enjoyed that kind of aspect of his game. Um, he's, he's, he's sort of really perfected all that little, um, the fake and, and, and get a bite and, and, and sort of really nail a 10, 12 footer, um, from the baseline. And I've, I've kind of loved that. And it's a nice little, it's a nice little, uh, bit for him. We, we haven't talked that much about Malik Williams, I realized while we, you were talking and, and that's like, that was, that's a huge disservice to this team. Cause we spent a lot of time um, concerned about Malik Williams, you know, and we talked at the beginning of this season, have we seen what Malik Williams can be? And God damn, he's been an anchor, an absolute anchor. Yeah, for I mean, team. they've, they've been able to score against zones, which mm-hmm. watching this team early in the season, you probably thought like the easiest way to beat them was just to zone them and make them shoot. And against Georgia Tech, I think they started the game in zone for maybe 10 or so possessions, and they kind of shot them out of that, which felt like a big moment for this team. They did the same thing against Wake Forest. And Malik's been a great distributor. Yes. Um, And, I mean, part of that is Locke hitting shots consistently because when, when you have a guy that's a knockdown shooter and the defense actually has to honor that, everything opens up around the floor, around. So, I mean, but, yeah, Malik's – been fantastic, but I think you know all Louisville fans have that little little thing in the back of their head when they're wondering if it's going to be sustainable. There's been a few times he, he came up he came up gimpy a few times against George Tech, and I was like, oh, this is it. Here it is. I mean, there's like three players in 20 years or so that have averaged a double double for Louisville, like rebounds and points, not a right. double double. I'm sure that there may have been an assist in points, but Trez is one. Um, I think there's one other player and then there's some, there's some player from like before I was born, um, that, that did that. But like what he's doing right now is mobile hasn't had a big do what he's doing right now for quite some time. Yeah. Um, averaging, averaging 10.8, uh, points and 8.7 rebounds per game. Are you looking on ESPN? Or are you looking on, I'm looking K-Ball? on ESPN. You mentioned something like, yeah. That. Basketball reference has him averaging about a point more and a rebound more. So I don't know which one is, is uh, accurate, but um, it was funny to me. No, that yeah, is was, super funny. It's like I they're bet counting you that an extra some, game where they're not counting the game. I bet you has something to do with um, those Bahamas games. Yeah. Just wondering right. if like those, like the, the stats on that were weird or something, you know, the stat broadcast or something messed up. I can yeah. totally see that not being kosher with ESPN system or whatever. Anyway interesting no super interesting I, I wanted to make sure we get that um chris before we start previewing and talking about the rest of the acc i, I want to do our, our regular uh you know as disciples of the bill simmons podcast um i want to go through this little schedule i want to i want you to tell me where, where you see wins and where you see losses okay okay <laughs> uh tomorrow night against pittsburgh at home well, that's a that's a w i think that's these, a w yeah um, Saturday, January 8th at Florida State in Tallahassee. Are we going to do this bullshit thing with Louisville fans where we say we can't beat Florida State because they They're beat us Florida State. And Florida State freaking sucks. Man. They're beating Florida They're State. They're garbage. If they don't beat that team, I don't know what to tell you because they're not good. They're winning that game. They're beating Florida State. I, 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 I don't know what's up with Florida State. They're not – I don't <laughs> – they were like dumb high on Ken Palm for some reason. They're 40 years. <laughs> I've watched them very little. I, I've watched them, I think once, but I'm not impressed at all. I mean, I've watched like highlights and stuff beyond <laughs> that, but I've watched a game once and wasn't impressed then. And their box scores are definitely not making you impressed. So no, not at all. Um, at home Wednesday, January 12th at home against NC state. 
Hard not to feel good about that one either. I mean, but NC State is a weird team because they do yeah, have guys that can kind of like get off for like 10, 12 points really quickly. They 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 just beat they just beat Virginia Tech tonight, 68-63. Um, but they had lost so five state weird. They had lost five straight after beating Bethune yeah. Cookman and losing. Yeah, you're you're right. I knew they were like really, really struggling. <laughs> So you think that's a win? You think you think Louisville pulls that out? Yeah, I mean, I think Louisville's staring either nine and zero or eight and one in the ACC. I generally do. Uh, so where do you think is the first loss? Then <clears throat> they play I mean, it's Pittsburgh. It's, they play Pittsburgh. They play okay. They play Pittsburgh. They play Boston College. Then they get Notre Dame at home. You don't think it's Virginia on the road? No, I mean, the, like that's that's those type of games where that Notre Dame game. Yeah, you win that game. That's one of those games where you look at this season in a different life. You win against Notre Dame and you win against Virginia. Virginia, not a good team, but doing all those things consecutively is kind of a harder ask. You feel it's like difficult. there's, you feel like there's going to be a slip up there somewhere, but you can't just look at any of the games on the schedule except maybe at Duke and at North Carolina. And I don't think North Carolina is that good, but it's at North Carolina, and say you know Louisville probably has less than a fifty percent chance there. Am I right? Like, am I wrong? Like, at Virginia? I mean, that's a 50-50 game, right? Uh, 42% according to Ken Palm. Um, I think so. I, <laughs> I think I, I think so. I, I, I can agree with you there. I, I think the important point here, you know, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about these games as we move forward this season. I think the important point is from now until j- Saturday, January the 22nd against Notre Dame, Louisville cannot lose a game. That's fine. I don't think they can lose a game. I, I, you could probably get away with a loss at Florida State, but you you cannot lose to Pittsburgh in either of these games. You cannot. If, lose if you lose at NC Florida State, State, you got to come back and beat North Carolina. Exactly. You got to you got to earn one on the other end. I, I think yeah. that's fair. You cannot lose yeah. at home. You cannot lose to Pittsburgh either time. You cannot lose at home to Boston College or NC State. Um, you lose the Notre Dame and you got to make it up somewhere else. But I think you can sure. do that. So we could be looking at a team. We could be looking at. We could be looking. Yeah, you could be looking at nine and zero going into Virginia, right? You could legitimately be looking at a nine and zero ACC team that's not ranked and nobody knows how good. Yeah, they are. yeah, yeah. That's the worst part. I mean, Louisville probably if they get to nine and zero, nine and zero in the ACC, they're probably in the back end of the top twenty-five. But yeah, it wouldn't be crazy to say they wouldn't be either. I mean. This conference, man, the worst take I've had in maybe five years of college basketball is thinking that the ACC was going to have a bounce back season because this has not been that. The ACC has not been good. I do think there are teams that have underperformed that are probably better than what they've been. But good Lord, (laughs) it's it's not been good. It's been stinky. It's been no good. Um, any, Any other notes about the ACC in general? No man. No. I mean, I'm I'm waiting for Virginia Tech to to be better, but lost NC State tonight. I mean, they haven't been good. They lost to somebody before, I think, NC State too here recently. Um, Virginia Tech. Yeah, that's the team I was really high on this season, and they have, they lost to Duke. They lost to NC State. They lost to Dayton at Dayton. Dayton. That's what it was. Yeah. So they have three three losses on the season. Yeah, Dayton's the one that's kind of. Kind of iffy. That's they're yeah. they're hundred and second in in oh well NC State also bad loss. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of teams like that that are. I was kind of high on Syracuse is another one um, that hasn't really figured it out. They've uh, they'll probably do what they always do and find a way to get in the, to get into the NCAA tournament and then go to Sweet Sixteen. But um, <laughs> for right now, they haven't been very good. And even Notre Dame's one of those teams that. I thought would take a step forward and you know, none of that's really happened. I was right about North Carolina. I don't you were. think I, g- I give you that. You hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I really quickly want to talk about good news. Louisville, um, Louisville basketball. Um, Kamari lands committed to Louisville yeah. this week. Um, class of 2022, uh, a great get sort of this late in the game. Uh, top 50 guy in the 24 seven composite 48th, the 14th best small forward, a four, a solid four star, um, just about everywhere beating out 
Arizona state, probably the main team, but you know, he had offers, um, you know, from, from plenty of good squads. Um, seem a great wing player, small forward. Uh, you, you mentioned to me, you're, 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 you know, I'll let you speak on it more. It, it does seem like he's, you know, athletic in a way that we, that we've been wanting to see some athleticism in the Louisville basketball team. Well, f- first off, can Kentucky fans just let me live. Like I, I tweeted about this guy and how excited I was. And I had probably three or four Kentucky fans in my mentions, like just talking about nonsense. And I'm like, why are you even here, bro? Just, just let me live, man. God damn. I mean, I'll talk. I haven't said a word about you losing to LSU tonight. I mean, come on. But anyway, um, the guy, I, I think he's super athletic. I think he d- does have some stuff to work on in the offensive end. He's a little small in the yeah. ACC. I think he'll kind of get beat up a little bit. I'm really, this isn't sexy to say, but I'm really excited to see him as a defender. He's super long, can guard multiple positions. And, you know, there's people that follow him, well, you know, Travis Graff that we both know who are very high on him. I think Travis said he's the best pro prospect that's committed to Louisville in quite some time. High so, praise. High praise. Yeah, it is high praise. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about him. How shocked were you to see they came to Louisville? I was pretty shocked. I was pretty shocked. I I had heard that Arizona State was probably it. I, I'm not I'm not as clued into to recruiting as as a lot of folks, but um I heard whispers things were looking good, and then all of a sudden they weren't for Arizona State. <laughs> so right. um you know, I, I, I completely agree. I, I love that this is sort of <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, there, there's a long way to go for Chris Mack. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't think Chris Mack's going to get fired. Um, we were a long way to go from thinking about that in the way I think we think about other coaches at university level. Um, but I, um, I, I kind of feel a little bit of long-term momentum seeing the NC state decision go the way that it did seeing some success on the recruiting trail here it made me feel good. I don't know. It, it, a little bit of good vibes. Uh, God bless every Louisville fan like myself who gets a little bit of hope about the long-term health of anything regarding Louisville athletics um, mm-hmm. or the university, but, you know, feeling a little bit of good vibes. I, I liked that, that combo there of, of long-term hope. Um, and, you know, it, go ahead, go ahead. No, it, it's kind of like the recruiting wheelhouse that I think Chris Mack probably feels a little bit more comfortable in yeah. when he, when he came to Louisville, you need to recruit at a higher level than you did at Xavier. But I thought he kind of overcompensated a little too much and probably started recruiting guys that he wasn't as exactly comfortable with, yeah. um, you know, one and done type guys that they kind of went after Caleb Love, DJ Stewart, those are probably the two that come to mind off the top of the head. And there are a few others. What's this is the type the, of guy, the guy who went to uh, Arizona or who was at UK who classed up tip of my Bryce Hopkins, Devin ask you, ask you. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, there was one other, but Bryce Hopkins. this is, this is a guy that can come play college basketball for one year and then be ready the second year. Not a one and done, but a two and done, I guess. Yeah. And those are probably the type of guys that, Mac once here. And I think the guys that he'll, he'll have a whole lot of success with is, is dudes that were a little bit unheralded that are probably, you know, a little bit better than their rating. I, I think he's probably closer to five star than, than most people may think. Um, like I said, super athletic can score from, you know, all three spots on the floor, really smooth, smooth game. Kind of reminds you a little bit of Sam, but you know, hopefully his, his, uh, his uh, career is a little bit quicker. Um, I would say. Yeah. But that was, that was kind of my first like thinking when I saw it. No, no, definitely. I, I get what you're saying. So, I mean, that's easy. He's like really, really like a dog though. Like dog and defender. Like you want guys now. It's the first thing that jumps off to you and you watch You, you yeah. want that attitude, that edge. And he, it, you just watch like him for like even the mixtapes or whatever you want to watch, you just watch a few minutes of those. And those are obviously heavy slanted to make it a guy look as good as possible, but watching those for a few minutes, you you can get that from him. He's just plays with a little bit of a swagger. We need that desperately. Definitely. Definitely. Um, he's, he's a third uh, commit 
Um, they already have letters of intent from Tay Davis, who's Trey Davis's younger brother, who also plays sort of the wing. Um, and then Frederick King, who's this center um, from the Bahamas. Some people have been watching tape and say like, he's like, might actually be like a diamond in the rough type guy. So some people think he's really good, but I won't say anything off the record because I've never yeah, I didn't no. tell you. No, I've just heard. I've just heard some people. Uh, you know, some some of the recruiting folks. Like I said, I'm not. I, I I I take too much in, and I don't know what's right and what's wrong on it. So I'm not gonna. But I've I heard the best thing about that is probably opening up that international window, though. That's cool. I, I, I didn't even have this written down. But did you see the page of Stoyakovic uh, kid stuff? <laughs> I, saw, I saw you tweet about that. That's uh, that's exciting. Like, and that's. Uh, that's huge, man. I mean, that that's the biggest benefit that a roster man's probably has. And, yeah. you know, getting the most out of that is awesome. I'm for, all for, about give me every international prospect that nobody knows about. I'll take them all. I don't for for those unaware, Paige Stoyakovich's son, um, I think his name is, is Andres, Andres Stoyakovich, who lives in uh, like just outside Sacramento, of course, um, four star kid. Uh, we're like the highest, highest level school that's offered it. And we're the first school to offer him. Apparently the first, uh, I think they said they were Louisville was the first power five school. Um, and he's firmly a four star. He's a class of 2023 kid. Um, and definitely seems like it's sort of a McMaines type of deal. Um, which, you know, I, I, I'm very excited about, I, I you know, Frost McMaines, he's not going to think he's going to be a long time assistant here for any, but for any stretch, it seems like there doesn't seem to be any inclinations of that. But if while he's here, he can open up that window. Like you said, I'm a hundred percent down for it. That's yeah. You take very, three of those guys and take three Gorgies and one of them hits. That's all you really need. So definitely all you need. Definitely all you need. Um, we could talk a little bit of football. Uh, <laughs> I think that's about it. We've got, um, Chris, how mad are you about losing the, uh, whatever bowl, the bowl that I literally <laughs> don't even have the name of the bowl in front of me. Uh, how mad were you about losing, uh, that game to the armed forces, the first responders bowl? I don't care. You didn't, <laughs> to the air, I mean, I, to the I, air I didn't, troops, the sky troops. I, I didn't care. Honestly, like I bet against Louisville. I wasn't happy about betting against Louisville, but I did because I thought they were going to lose the game. The only thing that I was really mad about was giving up a bunch of passing yards to Air Force. That's what I was mad about. But the result of the game, whatever, at this point, man. I mean, I just feel like I, 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 I was momentarily. You know, like I paused. <laughs> I, I, no, I put my break on. I put my break on. This guy should have been out the door at the end of the Kentucky game. Um, in after the after uh, the signing day, I thought signing day went pretty well for him. Um, for for um, for Scott Satterfield, and I appreciated that effort from him. Um, I was pretty enthused by some of the recruits, some of the flips that he got. Um. Some of the transfers have bothered me. Um, losing some of the guys, greedy losing greedy Vance is like, I don't think enough deep, big deals been made of that. Um, to be quite yeah, honest, how it kind of essentially came out that the whole excuses that were out there about him wanting to be closer to home were completely invalid because he went somewhere that was not in fact closer to home. Exactly. So, um, you know, I, 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 that's, that was a, that was a yellow flag for me. And then, just losing the game the way they did and, and just like continued just all shucksness of it, man. I just, mm-hmm. I, I'm just, I, I'm just sick and tired of that part of it, man. I'm sick and tired of that part of it. It is what it is at this point. I, you know, he, and it sounds like he's having a hard time figuring out staff changes, which is, um, is never a good sign for a guy. If they can't uh, attract people to come work for him, that's, that's a bad it's sign. Just- it feels like a season of purgatory. Yep. I'm reading 
this is totally a terrible comparison, but I'm going to make it anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading a, a, ba- a mid-range theory. It's a basketball analytics book right now. Yep. And they talked about, you know, just when you decide to cut ties with a guy, decide to cut ties with a staff, this guy worked for the Milwaukee Bucks. He was like a special assistant or whatever, the Milwaukee Bucks. And they've always talked about in the NBA how you want always to be a year earlier than a year late. Right. And at some point, like, I I feel that way almost in every sport. I mean, we're going to sit through this entire season and Lowell's going to go seven and five, six and six. And we're going to be right back out of this exact same discussion. And all that time could have been spent, you know, building momentum for what's to come. Right. And I, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know. I talked about, you know, during at some point during the season, I started to worry about the brand of global football and damage being done to it. That was ir- irreparable. Yeah. And I, I wonder how far we are from that place. I, you know, I think a lot I of damage know. has been done already. Yeah. There's not a ton that we can do at this point. So that's how I feel. Very, very grim. And, you know, the Malik Cunningham stuff the other night was, entertaining for three hours i guess we we were gonna record (laughs) we were ready to record last night and then uh caleb williams announced that he was leaving ou uh it was revealed that malik cunningham had recently followed um ou's coaches now brett venables Venables, i'm sorry excuse me uh he'd recently followed bet venables on twitter um I saw some OU fan accounts do some eyebrow things and then turned out it was Dylan Gabriel who is uh, committing to OU. And I, I think we can feel pretty good about Malik Cunningham staying at Louisville given what I've heard the NIL situation is for him. I don't think it's a, I don't think he's missing out on a ton. Um, well, I mean, OU's OU, but you know, he's not, he's not hurting staying here. So I'm saying. Sure. Um, so yeah, and uh, we had another guy, you know, another you know, kind of touted recruit in uh, Cannon, uh, the wide receiver, um, mm-hmm. go into the winner now. Um, I keep hearing uh, Cooley um, to the to the to the portal kind of rumbles. I don't it's know. It's been if that's so the weird. Case. Like people have talked about that in the open, like it's been done, but it's still not. Nothing's been official, right? So. Um, I don't know if you mentioned Greedy Vance. Yeah, we yeah, mentioned we Greedy Vance, Vance. Yeah. Quinterio Cole. Quinterio Cole's uh, going to the NFL, we talked about. Yeah. Um, doesn't really seem to have any promises about any position in the NFL. He's just kind of going and he's just, he's like, I'm done at Louisville. Not a, <laughs> not a good sign, if you ask me. Um, yeah, it's a status of purgatory. And I don't think anything's going to change. We, we don't know who, um, we don't know what's changing on the staff still. I want to keep it open mind and I'm trying to look at things and make sure I'm not painting myself in a window of saying I'm totally against Scott Satterfield. So I'm going to be completely oblivious to all the positive that's going around, but right. I don't have much to look at and say, this is, this is good. I mean, the press conference that he did signing day was a positive step forward. It was right. a good conversation. Good. Sounded like he had a plan. Um, a lot of concise words, things like that. For the first time, there was some emotion, but then you come out and you lose that air force in the fashion that you did, and it kind of just dissolves all of that. So yeah. I think the the small bit of goodwill that he built up, fans were were were, were pumped up, were ready to give him uh, another go. I, I, a lot of fans are ready to give him another go. <laughs> Too many fans, if you ask me. Um, and I think that's all gone. I think it's all gone. So. We'll see. I'm sure, uh, you know, best of luck. I tweeted out the the social media stats, um, how the, the fan base, like incitement literally hasn't grown in three years. Um, if you just measure it by social media, which is flawed, but just, you know, it's a, it's a good way. Um, it's interesting. It's an interesting way, I think, if you ask me. Um, so, I, you know, we, we don't know. We, 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 uh, we're kind of in this state of purgatory, like you said, so we'll see <laughs> anything else on, on little football before we, we talk about something entirely different. Yeah. We had a few odds and ends that we wanted to talk about in this show. Um, <laughs> we spend so much time talking about little athletics, but there are other things going on, um, that are happening. Election season is coming up and 
we want to at least talk a moment about our dear Governor Andy Bashir and how things are shaping out for him in the year 2022. It seems it seems like Andy Bashir's off to a good start. You know, his election isn't until 2023. Um, but you had it pulled up, Chris. How much how much money did he announce that he raised? He's effectively actually already his- lost it, but it, it was multi millions. It was the it was the highest amount for an incumbent governor um, at this I guess at this point in their campaign in Kentucky history. So, so which. He- no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're good. Go ahead. He, here's the here's the thing about this. Like, here's the inside baseball on on this type of thing. Um, you know, when you're when you're announcing a, a a fundraising hall, the closer you announce it to the end, you can't announce it until after the quarter's over, right? Because you want every dollar sure. to pile in. So the closer you announce the beginning of the quarter, um the better sign it is for you or the more excited you are about it. You know, you, you legally have to release it. I think by like the 15th or the 20th of the following month, like it becomes available to the public because it's a federal document that you have to say, Hey, here, here's how much money I have. Here's how much sure. money I raise here, how much money I spent, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's all searchable by anybody. Um, so the, the closer you get to that, the better it looks for you. And he came out Monday morning, first thing, 9am said, Here's what we did. It's the best anyone's ever done as an incumbent governor. Uh, beat that. And I don't think I think the only other person that released numbers was um, I think Harmon or whoever, who's like the agricultural guy. And I think he'd raised like thirty thousand um, dollars. I think his biggest competition is still going to be that like Kelly Craft, the uh, the uh, Joe Craft, um, the namesake of the Wildcat Coal Lounge. Uh, Absolutely, man. And you know, she, she's probably going to be the person that Trump endorses. Um, yeah. If I had to put my money on that, um, so take that for what will. And she hasn't. I, I I didn't see anything from her. If, if and I was just looking on Courage Journal, I didn't see anything from her on that end. She but hasn't yeah. released like a figure or anything yet. No, but you know, you you, you know, you said just kind of generally, you know, thinking about Andy Brashear, his whole like press conference and everything was or his press release that he talked about things it was definitely like a preview of what we were going to expect he's going to talk about the jobs he's going to talk about you know responding to the to the disasters um that he's faced and um it's a pretty good message if you ask me it's just it's just that that's why i like the perspective i wanted to talk about is that in some ways this has been a little bit of a blueprint on how to win statewide elections in Kentucky for me, because he's just like completely done a little bit of a 180 from where he was in the public eye three or four months ago. Right. And I don't really know what's happened other than COVID's got a little bit better. You know, he had his moment in front of the the cameras with uh, the devastating tornadoes. I, I don't want to put it in that perspective, but for him, you know, his leadership in that moment was obviously a big deal for him. Um, but well, really quickly on that, you know, not to, not not to like, you know, he he showed up at Rupp Arena during that Western Kentucky game and it was widely reported. He was booed as he got introduced. It may not he have got been cheered at the end, though. Right. So I'm saying that's what I'm saying. It may not have been that he was like it was a loud boo. I mean, I think when Bevin showed up on U of L stuff, it was like roundly booed, very loud. I don't, I, I would guess it wasn't that loud. I, 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 there was no video of that part of it, but he then encouraged everyone to stand up and get this rousing ovation. And that's just going to be a killer campaign ad. It's yep. going to be, it's going to run. I'm going to get so tired of seeing that video because it's just arousing. Like, let's stand up together for Kentucky. I'm here to be there for everyone. I guess, and I guess it, that's it works, what I'm saying though. is like, I am super interested on how a moderately public popular governor runs in their second turn as a as a democrat in kentucky i i i guess that's more or less what i'm saying and is it is it successful in just kind of a messaging and all of those things because i think it's a good blueprint you know for someone like charles booker in a little bit of ways maybe maybe here, here's some quotes I, I finally have it pulled up the, the press release um, the first line from Bashir is I'm grateful that from the support from kentucky from across the state and across party lines I've worked across the aisle to build a better Kentucky mentions yeah. that twice. The first two sentences, um, 
Jacqueline Coleman, Lieutenant Governor, mentions putting politics aside and leading with strength and courage. Um, and then it talks like he hits the the notes. It's like set economic development records, announcing more than 26,000 jobs, removed barriers to health care, relaunched Connect. <laughs> How is that across the, the aisle stuff any different from, from the things that McGrath was saying during her campaign? Though? It's just it's the, the same way type of messaging, it's right? It's the same messaging. It's just the way... People present it. I don't know. I, there wasn't I think the whole with, Trump element with Bashir. There hasn't been the Trump element of it. And the thing is, he had to reach across party lines because the the, the situation demanded it. You know, you're not just going to leave. Did the people? Did the people in Mayfield, Kentucky, vote for for Andy Bashir? Probably not overwhelmingly. Probably not overwhelmingly. But that's just that's the job, and that's and he he. For a person who is definitely a career politician, I have, I, he, he, I, I, I don't feel terror. I feel most career politicians are probably not great people. I don't think Andy Bashir is a bad person. I think, I, Andy, agree with you. I, I think, think he's, he does, I think he's done a reasonably good job. Yes. With who, like, he is as a person. It's weird for me to put that in a word based upon my expectations. I think he's done a good job. I guess. And also the thing about it is like with the COVID stuff, like I, people are super people rightfully so freaking out about COVID right now, especially locally in Louisville and frustrated with the inability of leadership on all levels to do anything. But I think Brashear has like enough has happened to him with like, the laws getting passed and all the stuff in the, the the courts and stuff that he presents a good enough case that he's done all that he can. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, it's like both mm-hmm. he's done enough. And then also enough has been done to him publicly enough that I think the general public who wants more mask mandates, wants more regulations knows that he can't do it. And then the people who aren't going to vote for him based on that, they know that he isn't doing any of those things. So it's not like they can blame him for any of the issues. Right. <laughs> so it's no, kind I, of like, I, he's got, both edges. he's got both edges of the spear, like pointed in the right direction. If that makes sense. Yeah. He's in a good place right now. I would say he's in a good place. Um, I, I, I listened to, a, for some reason, I listened to two interviews with Craig Greenberg this week. This is not on our show notes. Um, and, you know, I, I just noticed that back to back as Joe Sanka posted that. But right after Greg, Craig Greenberg raised one point one three million dollars um, and has eight hundred thousand dollars cash on hand. No one's going to catch him in the money race. Um, what, did, what did you what did you think about the interviews? Because I haven't sat down and listened to the guy at all, really, to be honest with you. The thing that just I just keep coming back to, it's just it's just and, and listen, like this is really difficult and this is something that everyone's going to deal with. And I have my take and I know my take is not what probably more than 45% of registered Democrats in Louisville think, but um, it's really hard for me to listen to a guy say, we need more police over and over and over again. Cause he says it over and over and over again. And then he tries to make it. I don't think that more police means more arrests and, you know, shout out to, you know, and we've, we've, you know, we've talked to Robert Connie before and, and, and my open, and he runs my Kentucky podcast and they had a great interview with him. I, I would definitely encourage that. Um, and there in his co-host Jasmine, who is a public defender really kind of tried to point some questions about, you know, arrests and uh, the issues in the jails and, and what, what is, you know, you talk about police, but what does that mean for actual criminal justice? And um, it just was a lot of, kind of words and none of the things the actionable items were i'm going to hire more police and then the other words were oh well you know we're going to encourage them to be more community facing and it's just it's not actionable it's the stuff that was the action was we're going to hire more blue shirts to be in neighborhoods and those neighborhoods are probably going to be the neighborhoods that are already dealing with this the worst and so it's going to be even worse I need so, to dig into him a little bit more, but with having limited knowledge, I feel like it's exactly how I would imagine if Gil Holland ran for mayor. Like that's, that's how I felt kind yeah. of when, when I saw his name. Yeah. And I remember feeling the feelings that I felt when Adam Elin announced that, you know, Gil Holland was his running mate and how that kind of watered down his campaign for me. Um, yeah. So kind of how I feel like I feel. We'll see. 
I don't know. It's going to be super interesting. There's a lot of really also super interesting. Um, we're just talking about a bunch of wild stuff. Super interesting people running for Metro Council. I've noticed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if if you if 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 you really do care about local politics, I've noticed quite a few candidates that I think, and even even some of the state. I mean, we we've seen how these maps are, and and we'll see how things are getting affected by them. It still kind of remains to be seen who's going to run for what. You know, that's been that's a whole different podcast. Um, but you know, I think there's a lot of I've seen some interesting folks who have some interesting takes and thoughts. So definitely, um, as that kind of works itself out in the next month or so, um, by the end of January, we should know who's running for what. So definitely, we'll talk a little more about it as sort of the primary season. I think kind of kind of slips into gear for sure. Absolutely. We want to uh, wrap up on the controversy that was all over Twitter of actually inevitable, inevitable controversy between Indianapolis and the city of Louisville. Um, It was a newspaper article that came out, right? Yeah, I'll I'll set I'll set the scene. Um, It was a newspaper article from the Atlanta Journal Constitution about um, Georgia fans going to the game in Indianapolis. They seem to get a lot of stuff that goes viral for some reason. For, it's a good paper. It's a good paper. Shout, you know, we were just talking about politics. Uh, their number one political reporter went to Mel High School. Shout out. Which, you know, Mel sucks. Nice. Mel sucks, but, you know, shout out to her. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, or one of their chief political correspondents or something, which I, I, I remember realizing when I was watching a lot of election stuff. But anyway, um, no. So they had an article about. Georgia fans going to the national championship game in Indianapolis. Um, and there was just like a throwaway line that, well, they were talking about how expensive the, the, the hotels were. And I had seen like other people say, Oh man, you know, there's, you know, the minimum hotel room cost are like in the mile radius around the stadium is like $300. Um, mm-hmm. And so there was a throwaway line that they had talked to several Georgia fans who were staying in Louisville. Cause they said there was more to do and much cheaper accommodations <laughs> and boy, and, and, and shout out and to mind you, mind you, this is what a week and a half after Joe Burrow said that, the Cincinnati Bengals aren't getting COVID because there's not there's shit to do in, to do in Cincinnati. Back to back. What 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 a day for the, the what a, what an area you know for, for this for this area of this country. Um, I I absolutely lost it at that. Um, and and I, I, we actually had had like a conversation. Like I I don't know maybe it was like a text I sent you like a throwaway text. It was like indie people are so defensive about indie. We've sure talked about enough, this on the podcast several times. Like, like since about the are not defensive about Cincy. Yeah. National people like they love national, but they get why you may not like national. Indie people will fight you if you hate indie. Like, you're just not in the right the place. Thing. They're just like, you're not. Well, yeah, but, but like Louisville, I don't know, man, like Louisville's <laughs> small and it's cooler. And I, I'm biased. Yeah. Um, indie people are so they fucking hate it when people are, when people dunk on, on indie. And, um, I don't know, man, it's, you know, indie set up for, um, indie set up for events is what people tell me. I don't know. I, <laughs> no, I mean, I get that and that's fine. And I don't know why people that live in the city of Indianapolis are not just fine saying that, that we, a lot of people come here because we have a professional sports team and we have a lot of hotels and the city is pretty centrally located. It's close to Chicago. It's close right. to a lot of major cities. It's easy to get into. It's easy to get out of all these things make sense and that's okay, mm-hmm. but it's not a good city to visit. Let's not get confused. No, I mean, there. what's your indie experience? Have you, have you done my much? experience is, is going to concerts and not doing anything after because the bars suck. That's my indie experience. Like Kilroy's or whatever it's called. It's great. That's fine. But I couldn't name a single, I couldn't name a single. I've never done anything in indie, like at like an institution that wasn't like eating, going to the game. And then either going back to Louisville or just crashing at the hotel I was staying. In. That's that's mostly my experience too. I I've mean, I've never I, done Broad Ripple. I, I've, I've had never, a shit shit ton of more fun in Bloomington than I ever would in Indianapolis. Which Kilroy's is like literally from Bloomington. So like you just, yeah. uh, I've never done Broad Ripple. Which like yeah, sure, okay. Um, but like, <laughs> your Broad Ripple. My understanding is that it's like a bigger Nulu. It's a 
it's like smaller mm-hmm. than OTR. It's like, like what's like, is it, what is, it? I don't know, man. I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I've had some moderate levels of fun in Cincinnati. Everyone's had fun in Nashville before. And yeah. I don't know. And, and, and he's just kind of there. <laughs> shout out to Spencer Hall, who just was like literally egging this on. Everyone was egging this on. Um, I forget her name uh, on the tip of my tongue. Uh, a, a gal who she works for, for, she works for the New York times, but she used to work for SB nation. Um, it's like on the tip of my tongue and she, she's like a Michigan person. And she was like, she's from Cincinnati. She was like, nah, Louisville's cool. It's like the southernmost Midwestern city. And I was like, all right, sure. <laughs> like, let's not do this business. Let's like, like, all right, all right, chill out, chill out, chill out now, bro. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, I, I just enjoyed indie people being very upset. Shout out to home field. Magic was like getting very defensive online, <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> but trying to be funny about it was like, Hey, you know, uh, here's a guide of things to do. <laughs> just like, nah, dude, you're doing too much. You're doing, cut it out. You're doing too much. Um, indie people just get really defensive about things. Um, so I do like, I, I mean, I do like the idea of, Georgia fans being in Louisville for some reason. I do love that concept. I, I don't I know do why, love, but um, maybe it's just like the whole SEC thing and being in Louisville and what's happened in the news in the city of Louisville the last few years. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Going to Fourth Street Live and Hard Rock Cafe not being there um, is funny. <laughs> I was told there would be a hard rock cafe. Just, yeah, was, just, was, just was, dogs fan, just infiltrating Guy Fieri smokehouse. Absolutely packing it to the gills. That and sports, <laughs> sports and social club. That's what you get. Um, um, we'll, we'll take the rest of the city. I'm really excited to go down to Athens. I'm, I'm like a hundred percent going to make that trip. I think it's like in 2025 or 26. Yeah. And, uh, I've heard nothing but good things. So I hope they enjoy themselves up here. Um, in regards to that, is the national championship game on Monday or a week from Monday? It's a week from Monday, right? I couldn't tell you. I think it's Monday, right? I think it's a week from Monday for some reason. I looked at tickets briefly and I was like, nope. I bet you they'll be much cheaper day of. Like, I, I there's no fun- way that's going to sold out. It, it, it was funny, like. Uh, the the semifinal that was in Miami. It's um January tenth, so that's Monday. It's, yeah, it's Monday, the, the, which um, which makes sense because they would never do it on Wild Card Weekend. So yeah, but anyway, the the semifinal in Miami, like two and a half hours before the game started, there were like mid level tickets for one hundred and seventy five dollars. That's the fantastic. same tickets were like six hundred and fifty dollars two Three days hours before. Earlier. Yeah, it's so funny how like that like changes just like on the drop of a dime. <laughs> so shout out to any uh, any any Georgia fans hanging out. Um, anything else, Chris? Before we before we wrap this puppy up, this has been a good show. No nah, man, it's been a good one. Hopefully, now that you know you're healthy and I'm healthy, we can go back to regularly scheduled programming because <laughs> it's been a minute and we won't have. <laughs> at a loss for words for how much stuff we're going to talk about, because it feels like so much has changed, but at the hopefully, end of the day, it's still kind of the same. Hopefully the only, <laughs> we're like, Oh, well, we're going to talk about Louisville football. Oh, you know, Scott Satterfield disappointing us. Um, hopefully all <laughs> the only changes in basketball are good ones over the next week or so. Um, yeah. Was there some kind of news that came out with Jack? I guess he was just did the New York times thing, right? The, like not New York times, the New Year's Eve thing. Yeah, he did the New Year's Eve thing, and then the they uh, he posted the picture of him getting Jack Harlow Day, which we already knew was that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's what also we're recording this tomorrow night or tomorrow. He's going to be. I mean, he he already announced he's headlining Forecastle, but you know yeah. he will be the headliner of Forecastle this year tomorrow. The, so. That's that's the next episode is us bitching Ooh. or not bitching about the Forecastle. Okay, okay. I actually meant to ask you this. Now here we're adding like an extra like three minutes of the show. Um, what's like, what, like who, who, who do you want to see on, on it? I mean, obviously anybody, but like, who do you think like actually could happen that you would want to see? Tame Impala. Do you think that could actually happen? I think that could actually happen, but that's swinging pretty high. I think you have to assume, unfortunately that Jack Harlow is the Saturday 
not unfortunately, but I, I think you have to think like, like Jack Harlow is the Saturday headliner. So like, I think Tame Impala would be a Saturday headliner. Let's see. Hold on just a second. I want Carly Rae Jepsen to come. I was, I was, she was supposed her, to, she was I was going to let you, I was going to let you. She was supposed to come to the last one. Um, and she had to cancel or well, not, she had to cancel. We didn't have a forecastle. Um, also shout out to the fact that forecastle is going to be like at the end of May, mm-hmm. which I am, I'm very thankful for. Um, I also like the new look. I haven't seen the new logo. Uh, it's like, it's, it's just a little bit different. It's, it's, it's given me good, good, good vibes. Good. It's we'll, we'll definitely see. I want Asher Roth at forecastle. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, band of horses is always a good band. Band of horses. And they, were, cool. they were already in mobile um, recently. Mm-hmm. Um, We'll see, man. I, I'm curious to see what type of fill it's going to go for since Jack Harlow is like the main guy. If it's going to be like some like underlying rap acts, Action Bronson would be a good one that would fit the forecastle mode. Um, there are people kind of like that. Maybe that Vince status would be cool. Saba would be awesome. Um, he would be cool. Does a lot of tours and. Yeah, he does a lot of festivals as well. So I'm curious where they kind of go the direction. If the Jack Harlow is going to be more of an outliner, or if that genre is going to be like throughout the 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 kind of the festival. Because if that's the case, if the which has been a concern for, I think it's been a concern for us. We've wanted we've wanted more rap acts. We've wanted that would be more of a change, yeah, than who they've been. And I I will say, I will say, Chris, I do think like you know, I was just talking about the the look. It, It looks, it doesn't look as like alternative music festival indie rock music festival when you look at the website when you look at the branding i I did want to say that it doesn't it doesn't feel as of that um ilk which i think it kind of really really pushed in the past so just you know understand but that was the roots of it um but yeah interesting we'll see Well, I have plenty to talk about, and I can't wait for all of the old people like, oh, I don't know anybody on this list. I'm too old for a forecast. Yes, yes. Thank you for making the same joke everyone made 10 years ago. Appreciate it. Um, (laughs) All right, Chris. I think that's about enough from us. Uh, Let's roll. Uh, Let's uh, go cards tomorrow night, and uh, we'll, we'll have plenty to talk about. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.